0: Today's show is brought to you by MParticle. It's the only customer data platform built to address modern data challenges. For most brands today, customer interactions are spread across lots of connected devices, and that makes it tough to create optimal experiences and drive the right marketing outcomes. That's why brands like Spotify, Venmo, and Airbnb use MParticle. It lets them unify customer data into a single customer view. Then they can easily integrate that data into any marketing or analytics platform with no additional engineering time required. The result is more personalized customer experiences on websites and in apps, as well as more relevant ads across all channels and partners. Visit MParticle.com to learn about how MParticle can help your business unify the customer experience and accelerate growth.
1: Hey, this is Peter Kafka. I'm the host of Recode Media, and in February, Kara Swish and I are going to bring together the smartest and most interesting people in the media world to Huntington Beach in Southern California. We want you to be there. It's the Code Media Conference, February 12th and 13th. You can learn more by going to recode.net slash events.
0: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the host of Tweet the Press, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today in the red chair, I'm so happy to finally get Chuck Todd. He's the moderator of Meet the Press and the political director at NBC News. He's been in that role for nearly 11 years, having previously worked at the Hotline, a political briefing published by the National Journal. Chuck, welcome to Recode, Decode.
2: Uh, I'm happy to be here. but you. Hey? Uh, I already have a fake news issue. With you. <laughs> you said red chair?
0: I know. I'm sorry. It's, uh, that's the, We use that as a, as a metaphorical yeah. thing. and you know, We ah. put people on the hot seat. I can't carry that red chair with me. It weighs a ton, and it costs an enormous amount of money to use. So just imagine you're in the red I, chair. I
2: imagine. I'll feel. If, yes. It'll feel like a yeah. red chair. Yeah,
0: it's a good red chair. A lot of okay. people have sat in Comfortable? it. Comfortable? Uh, yeah, I think Steve Jobs. You shouldn't like make did. a hot Bill Gates seat comfortable, like Yes, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg didn't like it so much, but that's okay. We had an <laughs> issue with him. But he tried very hard. Anyway, let, we're here to talk about you. So I'm here in Washington. Mm-hmm. This has been another enormous week. We're going to get to the politics soon. But I think it would be really interesting to just people get an idea of who you are. Um, obviously, you're so well-known. And now, since the focus is on politics this year and the last mm-hmm. year, um, a lot of people in, that are cover politics are inc- getting incredibly well-known. Um Talk about your background. Had you started off just as a political junkie, or what were you doing? Yeah,
2: look, um, I sort of got into politics. I I can tell you when I sort of thought of it as just a fun thing to follow. Eighth grade, Mm -hmm. um, my I needed to pick a pick a book to Mm -hmm. read. You know, my dad said, "Why don't you do Profiles in Courage?"
0: Ah, right, John Kennedy.
2: So he hands me Profiles in Courage and I get enamored in particular. Like I said, there's one story I'm enamored with, which is the Andrew Johnson chapter mm-hmm. about, you know, one sen- – and it was just sort of the eth- – all of it, just the story of the senator that crosses party lines because he decides as much as I don't like Andrew Johnson is, you know, we can't do this to the presidency. This is not – we shouldn't throw him out of office. And I just sort of – you know, I got in then – I sort of this – sort of got into the history and the – uh Having reverence for our system,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it
0: was a that was that was a book about different
2: about different people. Yeah. May, the whole point of it uh, of the book that may or may not have been written by John Kennedy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, but it's singling out obviously um, elected officials right. who made tough decisions mm-hmm. who basically went against whatever the popular opinion was right. or their party and stuff like that. So it was a whole book like that, and, yeah, designed you know,
0: to give John Kennedy he,
2: obviously it was his president, it was his. And now, of course, anybody who runs for president Has now to tries to one. write their book right, that's right. just like it. Um, and then I had a cousin who lived with us for a summer while working on a campaign in Florida. I grew up in Miami. And that summer, my father and him, my cousin was a big liberal. My father's a big conservative. And they just got drunk and argued politics every night. And mm-hmm. I was there to facilitate the alcohol, the espresso, um, and just soaked it in.
0: And was it a civil argument? Yes.
2: They were just having the best time. Policy. I and they bonded like a uh, father and son type mm-hmm. of thing. And he became very close. And it just it, I was just mesmerized by it all. Right. And from there I was what like, was the topic? I was determined for the
0: topic, or was What's it, that? what was it? Was the everything.
2: They would just it would be about, you know, my dad was curious of the campaign. It was a the campaign he was working on was back then in Florida, we used to elect every statewide. Mm-hmm. Um cabinet post was an elected post. They've now they've now gotten rid of that. They now just have a what's called a chief financial officer and they've sort of but well, we used to elect an ag person, insurance commissioner, education. So we care about
0: everyone. Sort
2: of the way I think Ohio still does it this way. California has a bunch of them. And so it just—they would end up being national pod poll- This was the mid-'80s, so Iran-Contra. Right. I, I think they were fighting about. There was probably, you know, my, my dad making the case why Reagan was a good president. Mm-hmm. I think my cousin, you know, why he why was an idiot. Worst. Whatever, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. that conversation. But civil and smart. Mm-hmm. And I just I just soaked it in. Right. And it was from then on I thought,
0: this is what I, I, want I want to get to Washington. Right. right. So
2: when I applied for college, I made sure I sent all my SATs. Scores to every college in the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. GW, American, Georgetown, even George Mason. And then I discovered where George Mason was. No offense, George no. Mason. <laughs> oh, you're, you're too far away. Like, where the hell's Fairfax, you know? Um, and then I realized the only way I was going to be able to pay for college. My dad died when I was in, uh, 16. Um, we had some financial issues. And so the only way I was going to pay for college was on a music scholarship. I played mm-hmm. the French horn. The
1: French I wasn't bad
2: horn. at it. It was good enough to yeah. obviously at Never least better. use it to get, to get a music scholarship. And— so then I narrowed it down because GW was the only school in DC that allowed for a double major in music and political science. Wow, being in the same school, right? Like I was like, that—that that was how focused I was on coming to Washington and knowing Todd, what that's what I wanted. I didn't know about. I wasn't thinking journalism. I thought right. I want to run a campaign.
0: Right. Okay. Right, not run yourself. I, not run yourself. Nope. Never. Nope.
2: No, I never thought about it as myself. Why is that? I was. Um. I, I, it felt phony.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It felt mm-hmm. like I had to be somebody I, I wasn't. Right. It felt at that time I've thought about I, – I spend a lot of time in speeches now mm-hmm. lamenting the lack of good people running for office. Right. And I even – anytime I talk to a crowd and I always say, if you're here
0: – Think about um,
2: it. You, you're obviously interested and concerned about American politics. Mm-hmm. So you're at least curious enough to hear whatever I have to say. Um, if you don't like the people running, part of the problem is good people don't yep. run. citizens. So I have thought about what would my – what what would 22-year-old me mm-hmm. have had heard that differently? You run now, Chad. Now I wouldn't at all because I think the credibility of the press is too important. Like I actually think ah. – I think one of the – I remember being very upset when Jay Carney went. Mm-hmm. To, to Amazon. To – Oh, well, he no, went. No, into the White House went from time. to the White time. House and then he went. It wasn't – Jay Carney should do what Jay Carney wants to do. hmm but I remember being upset because I knew that it was symbolically going to just reinforce this notion that this is, the, that this is a revolving the station, door between right? the press and the powerful. Yep. Number one, it
0: happens in Silicon Valley a lot.
2: And number two, that oh, and of course, it's for a Democratic administration. Yeah, a
0: very good reporter just did that, and I was surprised.
2: And it just so I actually think I would. I don't want to. I've made the decision. Mm-hmm. You go. I went down the path of journalism. Yep. I'm not going back.
0: I'm with you. I've been offered I was offered jobs at early Amazon, early Google, right. very early. Like uh, but the multi- way I look billion at it million dollar stupid decisions on my part but
2: look I, I am not going to tell everybody has to make what's right. the best decision for them right. and maybe they g- i know people that stumbled into journalism but really their goal is to be in public service right nothing wrong good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who have done it mm-hmm. i guess my feeling is you go through the door once
0: right. right
2: and you know i did work in a campaign when i was 19 right. on at gw
0: Who's, uh, i worked on it? tom
2: harkins presidential oh, campaign oh really Um,
0: What'd you do?
2: FEC compliance. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny is that people use, you know, now, of course, the right, the only reason people know about it is I've disclosed it. Mm -hmm. And so what's always funny is people like, oh, Chuck Todd was a top aide to Tom Harkin.
0: (laughs) Tom Harkin still to this day doesn't know know I work for him.
2: When I say FEC compliance, I mean, I literally, the checks would come in. Uh Uh-huh. I had to enter it in what their employee numbers – by the way, the, what, how I learned how the FEC worked uh-huh. to this day has helped me be a better campaign right. finance yeah. reporter for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah, And then, you know, they decided I was trustworthy enough to be the guy that went to the bank to deposit the checks. Wow.
0: That's okay? a big role you played. My,
2: my favorite – And such
0: a successful campaign.
2: Well, yeah, my favorite moment is like he, he gets out of the race and um, I'm the last paid employee – Wow. Because the F, you still had to do FEC compliance.
0: Oh, so you're there st- just doing the checks.
2: <laughs> I took, I remember going, ah, all right, I'll just take this back to my dorm room. And uh-huh. I'm thinking, I have a whole bunch of presidential records, uh-huh. you know, yeah. technically right. in my dorm room yeah. as a sophomore wow. at GW. Um, if you
0: had, like, dropped the ball, you could have had all kinds of problems. Could have
2: created all sorts of problems yeah. for Tom yeah. and for Harkin, right? You <laughs> I know, don't could even remember. Could have created a huge scandal for him. I and don't
0: even remember. I work for Senator S.I. Hayakawa.
2: Oh, Sleep one of the and best Sam. names.
0: Sleepin' Sam. Yes. I kept him awake during press events. That's what it was my job, was that. like poking him with my with a stick essentially.
2: So that is my what, what's funny is say, literally I'd say 3 months. Yeah. That is the extent. But you didn't so
0: you went to so What did I didn't campaign did politics, you? you went way. right into journalism.
2: And then I ended up doing an internship uh, at at this thing called the Hotline back mm-hmm. in it was early 92. I always say Tom Harkin ran for president. He Intended to run for president in 92, but it was really the 91 Harkin mm-hmm. campaign. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I started interning there, and um it was paid internship. I needed to be everything I had to do was paid. Right. It was the only way I could finish. I mean, I didn't get a full scholarship to GW, so I was always working. I was living paycheck to paycheck to just keep afloat. And um the hotline was there was nothing like it at the time. Mm-hmm. We were the internet before the internet.
0: Yep, I remember the hotline. And here
2: 10. we were in 1992, and I here I was At a nexus of political information. Nobody had more.
0: Right.
2: And that was it.
0: That was early AOL. That was was early. That was very early. Where did you distribute?
2: Uh, I remember we distributed. We had our own bulletin board service. You dialed in and downloaded us. You have to. Right. Yep. Um, We were on the CompuServe exchange. In fact, there was a time where we had to be a specific – we couldn't be over a certain number of characters.
0: Yep. CompuServe com- was IBM and, and yeah. Sears. I used to call it everything Sears knew about computing, everything IBM knew about retail. It was a really <laughs> terrible service.
2: What I, what I what remember is we had a whole closet just mm-hmm. with uh, 200 modems. All right, right. So people, when it was busy, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it took about 20 minutes so to download. It downloaded
0: like a newsletter, like an email newsletter, essentially. Yeah. Except
2: it took I 20 forgot. minutes. Yeah. Um, No, we did it by fax, and we delivered them, hand-delivered them around town. And there
0: were all those political reports. Charlie Cook had one. They all had them, and they were They all had them, but we
2: were the only one that was every day. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. they were monthly. They were quarterly. Quarterly, or weekly. Some of
0: them were weekly, yeah.
2: Yeah, and we were the first ones to prove every day. It was the brainchild of this guy, Doug Bailey, Mm -hmm. um, who's now deceased, who – and he started in 87 because he thought – How is – the? there's no way the professional press corps is going to keep up with 13 legitimate presidential candidates. Because in 88, at that time – it's so funny how arcane this is. But 1988 was the first time in 20 years that we were going to have an open presidential seat. There was no either sitting or incumbent running. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this is going to be the first time of the – of this new modern press corps. Mm -hmm. Look, out of that campaign, Richard Ben Kramer's What It Takes is Mm -hmm. written based on the 88 campaign. It was – so, it was this idea that there's no way the Washington Post can cover 13 right. legitimate candidates. Right, and, right. So, and they did
0: it in the traditional way. They didn't, the in, instant information was not, people forget about that. Completely. Oh, I,
2: I actually think we're, you know, for everybody that complains about Axios, Politico, mm-hmm. and Twitter. Maybe you should blame us at the hotline. Right, We right. created this idea that you needed this information daily. Information. Let alone hourly. Right. And now... now before,
0: it was sort of a whisper network where a lot of these things happened, or people knew, or phone, phone calls, essentially.
2: Oh, it, I, I used to love And it's that the long fact,
0: ago. People forget... The,
2: My first beat was house races in 92. Right, And right. I, I call it the crime beat of politics. Like, right. if you want to learn how to cover presidential yeah, absolutely. politics, so you go, know every go cover house races. And
0: everything else, exactly. which is at the same time. So, hotline then... Went to the National Hotline Journal. Hotline
2: goes, we get bought by National Journal, and right. we had this crazy idea. How much, how much? Huh?
0: Do you remember how much? Oh, Your little modem I, service? They
2: made some money. Right. The owners had some money, but it was for some debt, too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but I this think, was this was literally, people forget, pre-AOL, pre-cell phone, pre-everything.
2: So in the whole reason National Journal bought us, we got into a partnership with them mm-hmm. to start a website right. for the 96 campaign. Because
0: mm-hmm. Netscape It was, was called out Politics then. USA. Mm-hmm.
2: And the idea... We we had National Journal want to be with us because we knew how to do something every day, right? And National Journal had the almanac of American politics, and I'm, so my great contribution mm-hmm. that first year is I'm physically digitized the almanac. Wow, paragraph by paragraph, uh-huh. I coded the almanac, uh-huh. um, and I remember I, I did it while I had I just moved from Colorado. Long story of um, personal. Uh, you know, we all chase people every once in a while. So, you know, (laughs) I may have chased somebody and I lost. Um, And I end up back here kind of needing work. And so that's what I did. I coded the almanac. And then we get into a partnership. Uh, Washington Post, Newsweek and ABC decide they want to start a political website. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we say, wait a minute, guys, let's not compete. Let's join forces. Mm -hmm. So then politics now happens in 96. And it's the Post Newsweek, ABC, and National Journal mm-hmm. were the four—
0: And everyone was dipping in, and it still was we super early because yeah. Netscape had just gone public, I think, in 94. The the early internet was very early. And again, AOL was the name of the game. I hosted, and they had a lot of politics stuff on there.
2: I, in 96, I hosted chats. I remember mm-hmm. this. I did these little chats right. for Politics Now, and I remember doing one with McCain, and I remember doing one with a, a couple others. And we, we would open it up to to questions for people, that, and it would— the only time we ever got traffic was when the libertarian candidate nominee for president
0: mm-hmm. it was whenever we these posted were all him using,
2: the only people using, that were engaged yeah. in politics on the internet in 96 right. were libertarians right
0: which is astonishing to think about the the absolute change well the, shit, the tech
2: world is libertarian in its core Largely, it was yes. it, and yeah. so i call actually, it
0: libertarian light but we can get into this it later. is
2: but it was always fascinating. If there was political activism
0: mm-hmm.
2: on the net in '96, it was all, the, it, was it, was all the well, it was about those, Harry Brown. That was right. who the nominee was, and it was
0: the well and the way they were communicating. Mm-hmm. So you were do. So you you really were an early techie. That, that was a. Very early time.
2: Very early. Look, and I—it's the single most important break I caught. Because mm-hmm. what I describe Just about nobody,
0: because you didn't, you wouldn't have gotten hired by the Washington Post, or correct. Blank, blank, blank.
2: And here's what happened: all of a sudden, we needed content, mm-hmm. and everybody assumed, well, Howard Feynman of Newsweek, and right. Dan Balls of the and David right. Broder of the Washington Post, and right. Hal Bruno the and, great and ABC. Men of politics. None of them thought the internet was worth Hated. their time. I
0: worked at the Washington Post, you know. I could not convince them yeah. about. That. I, it was exhausting after a while, and I left.
2: They none of them thought it was. They, they just didn't have time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So then they this wrote 20, columns.
0: There yeah. were the big columns. There so were this, this twenty-four-year-old sort of kid
2: right. gets the opportunity. I was the polling guy. Mm-hmm. I started handicapping races. I was doing everything that, like I was like, really? Yeah. You're you're paying me to do this now? Right. And I and it's the single thing I try to tell myself every time I roll my eyes about Snapchat. Right. I always say to myself. Dan Balls or Howard Feynman and I don't single like Dan. Guy. Dan, I think, is one actually the most tech-savvy
0: yeah.
2: um, uh, journalist of his the, generation. The,
0: the group was like— But that.
2: it was groupthink then. Yes, it was. And I always say, I don't want to get caught being the guy that, it wasn't that groupthink. looked it, down.
0: It was actually—it was worse than groupthink. It was a, an absolute ignorance of, the, of what was happening. What was happening. Yeah, what was happening. And it was really—it was hostile, actually. When I put my email at the bottom of my stories, The Washington Post— they were like, "Why do you want to do that?" And I was, like, "Why do you want to hear from readers?" I'll never forget that. Like, and same thing going to the Wall Street Journal when I was covering the early internet, and they were like, "This is going to be a CB radio." They called it CB radio, which was oh,
2: like, I remember the CB radio shots. Yeah, people just, would take pot shots oh, at CB radio. Oh, what do
0: you do? I'm okay. like, it's not like breaker, breaker one, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell. I the thought your AOL IM yeah, thing yeah, was good. Now exactly. that
2: actually is, I think we could say AOL Instant Messenger was the was the CB radio of tech. How
1: about that?
0: It was, but it led to other things. That's it's right. sort of like saying the early Apple versions of the Newton were wrong, or or, or there's all kinds of versions of the iPhone that happened before the iPhone, right. all all led to it. And the people who worked on it, like the guy who created um, a lot of the stuff for Google and mobile Android, worked on all the broken versions before it. Hmm. And the guy who sort of invented the, one of the inventors of the iPod. Worked on all the broken versions, and then he. Knows. Hey,
2: even Zune had a feature that Zune, iPod Zune. didn't.
0: No, no, we can't. No, 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 no. I
2: will remember the one right. time I was right. jealous of a Zune. Zune. I'll give you one. We were. I was. We were on vacation with a with a couple friend of ours, and it, it, she had a Zune, mm-hmm. and I went. I didn't know anybody owned a Zune. Yeah. This right? was at
0: the time of iPod, and she didn't have the iPod. She had the Zune. She went the Zune. Brown went, Zune.
2: I, she, she lived in Seattle, so mm-hmm. she felt loyal to Microsoft. Right. She actually did. Oh, she man. said she bought a Zune, and her big. The thing she lorded over us, well, I can delete a song.
0: Okay.
2: And it was the—at the time, it did drive me crazy. At the time, they hadn't figured out a way for you to get—once you downloaded a song— that you couldn't get rid of it That's on because your. This is
0: Steve Jobs knew. You didn't need to delete. There was so much space. I, I and know. Bill Gates was obsessed with. But I remember being, space.
2: oh, God, I do wish I could have had that feature. But, but you that didn't was. Want it. That now feature. we have that feature.
0: That Zune was literally. One time, <laughs> Walt Mossberg was showing it to Steve Jobs once, and he actually put it in his hand and he dropped it because he was like physically repulsed by it. Was,
2: it was an ugly thing. <laughs> it he did it, it was
3: ugly. It
0: was the worst object ever created. everything microsoft does in in those technologies was terrible i'm not sure what happened there. like i'd always look at it and think okay the opposite is what will work in that way so you were kind of a techie you were kind of a nerd
2: uh, I, no, I i i compl- i always say this i what mean was your I, first I caught phone? the i caught the break i caught that break and you know what's interesting after that is they did learn we were really proud of what we'd done right and we thought oh we're going to keep doing this mm-hmm. and then of course we all so what happened was come 20, 1997 The Washington Post says, oh, this worked out. So they hire a third of the staff Mm -hmm. and start WashingtonPost.com. ABC says, yeah, they hire a third and start ABCNews.com. And so then the rest of us went back to National Journal and we started – to try to do to, push it. To, to do what we did.
0: All right. When we get back, we're going to talk with Chuck Todd, who is now a very famous broadcast personality uh, in Washington, D.C., about how he got onto broadcast, because he's mostly a nerd at this point, which I'm awfully surprised about. Uh, ah. When we get back. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by M Particle, the customer data platform for every screen. And I'm here with co-founder and CEO Michael Katz. So Mike, you recently announced a major funding with the intent of bringing relationship marketing, also known as CRM, uh, into the multi-screen era. So what's the future of CRM?
3: So customers are engaging with brands across more devices than ever. Brands need to create a consistent and personalized experience across these devices. And so it starts with having a data platform that was built to ingest data from anywhere, create a unified view of the customer, and then in real time sync that data out to all the different systems that that business uses to effectively run and grow their company.
0: Mm-hmm. So, because things have gotten real confusing, that there's so many devices and ways and data platforms that people come in on.
3: Yeah, exactly. When it was just a website, you knew everything that a customer was doing digitally. Now, they may start on their phone. They may go to the website using their laptop. They, if certain brands have an app on, say, Apple TV, they may engage there. They may download the app to the mobile phone and complete the transaction or go to the store. So there's oftentimes five or six different systems involved.
0: Where can we learn more about what you're doing?
3: Go to www.mparticle.com or follow us on Twitter at MParticles with an S.
0: I'm here with Chuck Todd. He is NBC's Meet the Press impresario, if that's what you can call whatever you want. Head of the show, you run the show, you're on every week. You've been talking about sort of a background that had a lot to do with the the nascent internet mm-hmm. and people getting information instantly um about politics, which has been the perfect Topic for the internet, never more so than now. One of one of them, entertainment is another one, but politics really is one of the the linchpins of um, communications on the internet and content. On it the was,
2: internet. you know, I I, w- I remember the very first the very first time I went online. My father wanted to see a stock ticker. Oh, in- stocks were another. Okay, yet. and I remember we had an Apple II C,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I had to figure it out. I was like four, 13 or fourteen, and I remember hooking it up and it, we did it but it was like okay but this costs $30 right, for, right. for every half hour sure. like it was some absurd yeah. amount yeah um but i feel like the stock people were well the,
0: po- yeah, the stock pornographers the are pornographers. always first yeah i had a whole chapter yeah. in my book pornographers
2: my are first they're right. the they're the true leading indicators mm-hmm. and then then, stocks. then ga- stocks, gambling,
0: politics. Right, absolutely, which all belong together, really. Sex, stocks, gambling, and politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, you, how did you get to broadcast? Then you're you're in an area where you could have like done a lot of things in the internet space. I,
2: look, I was I was pretty content. You know, uh, 1997 is when I joined NBC. Um, I had just sort of recalibrated. I was working at this time for David Bradley, still part of National Journal, but at this point, David Bradley, who's um, uh, an individual billionaire here. Oh, in I know in, 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 the in, A lot of Dave people know Elegant. him. He's it, one of Ravid. the just most great gentlemen of Washington. He really is. Um, and um, once you make a friendship with him, you have a friend for life. Mm-hmm. And he's that kind of guy. Um, I was working for him. He owned us and he had, just Bought the Atlantic, and we were in the middle of like all these incredible brainstorms about what we were going to do to transform the Atlantic. And take everything we'd been learning from National Journal and the hotline, right. and it's how had to, a lot of data that that's was right.
0: critical about the national and politics was data, the amount of
2: data. No doubt, and I had just sort of committed to basically helping build the digital side of the Atlantic, yeah. of, of helping to build the Atlantic at the time how we were all going to do that together mm-hmm. outside of a paywall like mm-hmm. we were the paywall kings of, right. of, of hotline at, at that right. point but this was about proving right. that this yeah, that, that there was a market outside of washington mm-hmm. um and it was re- and then all of a sudden politico pops up and and then i was ready to go i'm like great and i was ready to transform hotline right. into a competitor politico and then tim calls me up they need a political director uh, Russert. um and i had just signed a contract with david
3: mm.
2: what i thought was a very generous contract okay. and i was happy and i was like I had autonomy. I was basically getting to run a business without having the right. burden of owning it mm-hmm. and my own risk. That's how I felt. That's right. that type so of empowerment. So you're not
0: entrepreneurial, or are you?
2: I constantly want to start things. Right. Um, so yes, and and and. You but know, other
0: people's money. My okay, next. Yeah. Nah,
2: yes. My. I, you know. I learned from David in this idea of seven year runs. Mm-hmm. David believes life is filled with seven yep, year runs. I agree with him. I'm in the middle of a second seven-year run in my head at NBC. You know, mm-hmm. you know we'll see. Sometimes you do a third or sometimes you do another right. seven-year run uh, at something. And so I was pretty content. And I thought, you know, I don't know. And I said, I probably – I just signed a contract. I just felt disloyal. Right. So I said, you know what? I probably – I don't want to interview. But I, I was, like, thrilled that they'd ask because I'll be honest. A year earlier, I was thinking about leaving. And CBS needed a political director. And I was trying to just get an interview. Right. Oh, I couldn't get an interview. And
0: Tim Russert was king.
2: Um, Tim was king, and it's like, and then I literally slept on it over a weekend, and I'm like, I'm really, I am going to regret watching somebody else do that job. Right. So I call him back, and um, I end up accepting. We we ac- I accepted the job. He offered it. I accepted. We on the day Obama announced because I w- we were on the phone together watching Obama's announcement from Springfield when I agreed to do it. So I uh, you know we'll always remember it was Saturday February 10th. That's when he made the official offer. That's when I said yes. And,
0: and did and you see yourself as a broadcast personality? Never.
2: In fact, I felt like I was being hired more as an off-air.
0: Expertise, right, yeah.
2: With, and he said, look, MS, NBC starting to use Do More Politics. Mm-hmm. You'll probably do some TV. And I'd already been doing some TV then as a mm-hmm. hotline person. i doing right. all of them. You yeah. know, all the, it's, the cable had started. The cable circuit back then was just mm-hmm. beginning. And so and I thought, okay, that's interesting. I never imagined. You're right i didn't see where this was going Mm
0: -hmm.
2: i certainly did i think well maybe bureau chief or you know what i mean like who knew like i never this was not something it was was like working with tim is going to be fun um and then all of a sudden i stumble into television right you know i mean um it's I, i remember when i got offered to be chief white house correspondent i said I've never been a correspondent. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I've never worked at a local affiliate. Like, in my head, I'm going, what yeah, do you guys— Yeah, a lot guys... of
0: people work hard to move their way up.
2: I'm that. like, what are you guys thinking? Here? Right. Is that what you—you want? You know, I'm not a TV person. You
0: stood up on the lawn. What's that? I stood up on the lawn once.
2: Yeah, you did?
0: Lawn. Yeah, No, I never did. I oh. wouldn't want to kill myself.
2: And I'm sitting there going, I don't have the hair. I didn't, like, I just <laughs> didn't feel like I was TV worthy. Right. Um, But then I said, how do you turn this down? It's right. this historic presidency, the first African-American sure. president— and, you know, here I am.
0: How did you like covering the White House? Because I found that to be a, a trap for a lot of people. Oh,
2: I, I say the greatest job title is former White House correspondent.
0: Right, because it's a prison. It felt I, I worked there it, as an intern. Savannah
2: and I, we took the prison metaphor. Mm-hmm. We used to joke Robert Gibbs was the foreman mm-hmm. or, or uh, because yeah. it, he decided when we had to be there or not. Right. Uh, we had our, our our desk at NBC decided, went, told us what time we could come home. We were basically on work release. Right. You know, we, we always were inside that fence, but we got to go home to sleep and have dinner. But we were, had to be at that fence at 7 a.m. You Did know? you also
0: feel like you're fed the news? Because things changed. Things have changed somewhat dramatically because of the Internet in terms of uh, oh, so many I, people.
2: I, I can tell you this. I never broke one. Every story I broke in the White House Mm -hmm. came from outside the White House. Right. Not a single – in fact, I had to sometimes physically leave the White House to get news on the White House. So um, now, that said, being there still is important.
1: Because – I remember,
2: you know, sometimes you just – the most important thing for a White House reporter is not to be there when everybody says – from 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. The best times to be at the White House and have access to it are from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. or from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Because mm-hmm. that's when you actually run into people that are in charge of running the country.
0: Right, right, exactly. But I always find that you become sort of – what's interesting is most of the interesting stuff comes has been started to come from outside and, and it creates this – But that's
2: been the case for years. But yes, it
0: has, but more, it's really – it's more so more than ever so. before. I mean I would not think that would be the beat that everybody would want now.
2: Oh. I, I tell everybody Capitol Hill is still the best beat.
0: Right, because you can but just run around. The
2: problem is there's is a there's still prestige that comes with it. And, look, I, I've been to 70 countries mm-hmm. um, because of that job. Because you went around. And, yes, sometimes I'm there superficially. I'm mm-hmm. there in an organized conference. I'm there for a bilateral meeting. I'm there for – but – Th- that's experience that has benefited me in this job. Put it this way. I never would have been successful at Meet the Press had I immediately done it in 2009. Right.
0: So and you did that for a while and then took over from David, mm-hmm. which was sort of an ugly departure, essentially. From
2: I have a theory on tele- all right. all television. All right. And I quote, and I say this to comfort <laughs> myself. Okay. There's a quote in the movie Cocktail.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Everything I ends love ba- Cocktail. Okay, you know I can't co-
0: believe you love Cocktail.
2: Everything I've ends badly or else it wouldn't end.
0: Uh, oh, that's right. When she, he's leaving her. <laughs> Right. When she's like, "This, I don't want this to end badly. That's
2: right. But, right. or uh, that's television. yeah, it's because it's so high pro- every exit's over covered.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: everything is like it, it, right. whatever it's because of the gossip columns that that love to just cover people that are on TV, right? whatever it is, there's just the fact that the awkward aspect that news executives, have all this power over very wealthy talent, mm-hmm. and, it, and it creates these, I don't know what it is, but it yeah. all, many, most exits mm-hmm. are ugly. Yeah. It's rare when they're not.
0: Right, right. No, you know? it's, it, it's astonishing. Johnny
2: Carson, Tom Brokaw. Yeah. That's right. That's true. Okay? Yeah. Period.
0: Yeah. yeah that's <laughs>
2: I mean, it is, I hate to What's say it. What's interesting
0: about it, I, I cover it just a little bit because a lot of broadcast people are moving to the internet and back and forth, and whenever I deal with a network person, I'm fascinated by the level of bile, like, in terms of, like, and pointless bile. It doesn't really help the story, and it's not, you know, as if you're covering Uber or something where there's huh. actual real problems. I had one executive trying to get me to write that someone was an anchor monster, which I think, and I was like, well, can I put that on the record with your name? Of course not. And I was like, well, then I'm not using it, obviously. Honestly, like it was really in it, but others would. I was thinking, of course, people would.
2: It is. I don't envy network yeah. executives because it is talent management. But you know, I'll go back to something. I, this is why David Bradley said something once, and I and I, I I I've given this advice to my bosses in the past. I said, talented people are difficult to manage, or else they wouldn't be talented. Right.
0: Right. Although I would argue with that. I worked as a I, I uh, delivered mail at the Washington Post, and the most talented people were the loveliest. They I absolutely that. were.
2: There's, no I think as peers, that's true. Right. But I think from a, a, right. when, you, when you're – the talented people are the ones that are difficult to tell what to do because they're like, well, wait a minute. Right. Because they're the ones that are going to say – Because they're creative. They're that's creative. right. They're creative yeah. and they think 17 different other ways you could do this smarter and
0: better. So think 17 different areas of what it's like to be on broadcast television now. I, I want to get sort of set the scene. I know things have sort of moved, changed really dramatically. Mm-hmm. But how is it to be in a broadcast position? And we'll get to Trump in a minute. Uh, yeah. I, I'm loving that we're not really talking about Trump that much. But I do want to get to current politics. But how do you I see it I just so people shifting? haven't been
2: bored by my stories. No, not at all. They're oh, fascinating. I don't know. No, you're
0: wrong. You're wrong. I don't know. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll handle the content on this one. Um, so how do you feel like being on a national show? Because I watch your show, and I do watch every, because I'm a bit of a political junkie, um, but I get so much news elsewhere, mm-hmm. and I have already have formed opinions, and I, you Meet the Press used to be the only place you got it, mm-hmm. for example, Meet the Press, or any of the other shows, but Meet the Press was the leader in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's changed so... I don't know what so, the word was
1: in there, but anyway.
0: I know, yeah, right, but it's changed so dramatically of how we get our information. How do you look at your job, having got well,
2: through... Well, tr- I, I entered this job with... Um, Believing that my great, my number one goal was to yeah, look. I believe uh, um, what is it? I, I am a custodian mm-hmm. of something that is much bigger than myself, which is Meet the Press. Okay. When you're the oldest, the oldest show in television history. Yeah. Period. Like mm-hmm. you know that, and it has sort of a it it stands for an idea. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of that, but it is. I did worry. I didn't want it. The idea of Sunday shows, for yes. instance, what you just said—I didn't want it to atrophy.
0: Yeah, and they have certainly.
2: Um, I think they were, and I actually will make the case that they're not. But I've—I've I've been mindful of this, and so the single, my single greatest goal as the current moderator is to make sure people don't as, think of Meet the Press as a Sunday show. Mm-hmm. That Meet the Press is really an idea, right? And there's a Meet the Press um, mindset that can go to documentary filmmaking. There's right. a Meet the Press mindset. To and you podcasts, do a daily show. there's a meet the press mindset to the cable. There's a meet the. But the point is is that it is not about one hour on a Sunday morning. Right. It is, it is bigger than that. And I think for its own survival, because if you look at the media landscape, the first media entities to die were weeklies.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Monthlies have, have found some yes, life because we're in a. Oh, I'm so saturated. I want to.
0: Yeah. I, long wanna, form.
2: I want the long form. And if obviously, daily has survived. But weekly has been—I mean, I think the hardest job in journalism right now is Time magazine. What? I don't know how you do it. Like, how do you stay relevant? I don't—it is— I, I It think shall it, not. It, it, it's impossible. It's been a long, slow imp-
0: fall down the stairway. Yeah,
2: it's impossible. So I was mindful of this. So I have—that is why— you know, we're not even – I'm not even in this job four years. I've got a daily cable show. It didn't happen before. Right. We have now a podcast. We just did this film festival. The goal being, frankly, I want to be in the documentary mm-hmm. making business. Certainly why shouldn't not. we be? But yeah. also, why shouldn't we become a production house for all these right. great political commentary uh, – right. b- documentaries? So b- because I, I want the Meet the Press umbrella to stand for something more than just an hour on Sundays. Right. What's interesting is if you actually look at the trends of broadcast news, there is one um, – Genre that's growing in raw numbers. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory as to why. All right. One is the the morning and the evening daily are general news. This is cable. Right? Whether even on cable too, but right. it's constant. You're getting right. you're getting all this. Right. I think there is this sense of the saturation. You say, Oh, I already know everything that's going on. Right. I see our job now on Sunday morning as basically explaining to people what mattered and what didn't. Yes. Okay? That we're here to sort of I assume the average viewer is not you, actually, right the now. If you are the junkie, it's it's that next level down—a well-read person who has a life, right? <laughs> right? Who isn't watching cable every night, right? And isn't watching well, the cable, cable every cable morning. Cable
0: has hijacked your format. Like, What's that? Cable has hijacked the format and dumbed it down. I, I- the same discussion it's, stuff. It the can be. Is.
2: I, I think it's sort of taken what worked on Sunday yeah. and then they like did it in repetitive, repetitive motion to the right. point where I it's actually pointless. think we've tried to change the model a little bit. Yeah. But I, I take your point there. And so I, I, I think that now the viewers look to us for that. And I also have tried to change the interview style a little bit. So for instance, if we had a senator on – and this would be go back 20 years, whether it was Tim, David, Tom, mm-hmm. whoever was doing it, you would ask, first of all, you'd have them on for 25 minutes, and you would yeah. ask them about eight or nine different issues. Right. Now we know that really the, the only thing cycles. that holds viewers is the president, the vice president, not even the vice president. Or whatever
0: topic of that day. Right.
2: But now I drill down on one topic Um for eight or nine minutes, rather than trying to do six topics in ten minutes. Do
0: you ever? It just occurred to me because I watched this. Do you ever feel like that? And I think the you can say this about all the Sunday shows that you become a creature of whatever spin that they want to do when you when you do that because they use all kinds of methods, Twitter and, mm-hmm. and everything else. I
2: I think the that's why I've changed to one subject interviews,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Because for the most part, I might ask a second a second topic at the end, but it's because if you just ask if you do six topics in eight minutes. All you've done is given them time to do their – all they have to do is a talking point.
0: Well, it's the twitchy thing. It's the – that's what I think has happened with a lot of it is the everything – the internet's – the twitchiness of the internet has invaded everything.
2: Right. And I think that's where there's the mistake. Look, I look – I feel I like the show better Mm -hmm. when it's one topic, two different points of view
0: when you look at how people are getting their information, what do you look at? I mean, you're obviously deep into television, and you're a daily show, and Mm -hmm. um, you guys have newsletters and things like that, but what do you look at, and you wonder where it's happening? Because I always think, what's the next thing constantly? I'm always... I'm always worried about the next thing. Yeah, and I think about it, and I actually study it, and you mentioned Snapchat when we were talking earlier, but Um, where do you imagine it going? How do you perceive political information? Because we'll get into President Trump's use of Twitter and and things like that.
2: So it was was interesting. Somebody sent me a quote of myself. Oh, what did you say? About two years ago. Apparently I said, and I do remember thinking this. I'm glad I said it somewhere. I said, you know, some presidential candidate is going to realize that the best way to cut through is not to – Try to pick and choose your media, but just do it all
1: mm-hmm.
2: and be on the record all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to – don't –
0: Yeah, the controlled. Don't, the don't
2: controlled. try to control it. And that's what Donald Trump did. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump was essentially during the campaign on the record constantly, mm-hmm. sometimes via his own Twitter feed, sometimes via his own rallies. Certainly any reporter could stop him and he did it. You know, and I saw that as maybe it would be a positive. Um, and I still think there are plenty of politicians who have learned the wrong lesson from Trump. Because um, they're still not doing that. They're not saying to themselves, no. "I'm just going to be on the record all the time." Right. And if it's if it offends some people, it offends some people. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am who I am. So the one thing I worried about is I've been watching what's happening in sports. A lot of sports leagues have allowed their own teams to hire their own reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge problem here in Washington, for instance. The Washington Redskins don't give information to the Washington Post beat writers anymore. Ah. They only give them on like injuries and things like that mm-hmm. to their own WashingtonRedskins.com reporter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I w- was concerned that political campaigns would start doing that. They'd hire their own rep- – and in some ways they have, right? They're trying to create their own sure. television. Josh Ernest hosted his own Sunday show mm-hmm. um, from the point of view of the White right. House.
0: Trump has tried it in various
2: ways. I am – I still th- I'm still semi concerned because you now see openly mega donors mm-hmm. deciding they want to buy publications. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to buy publications and make them house organs for a public right. for a politician. Now, what's ironic here is that this is actually back to the future for American media. Right. This was the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Do you know why the you know, you know who the Blair House is named after? Who? Who Blair was? Tell Blair me. was um a newspaper publisher in Tennessee. He was Andrew Jackson's favorite. Newspaper guy, it was, oh, and so, so he just called. Yeah, I mean, the irony is like this is not a new phenomenon. Well,
0: a lot of these newspapers did the bidding. Come on, I, mean, I just saw the post. Yeah, know, there was that whole concept of what, uh, what Bradley and Kennedy and the, you know,
2: all of that who stuff, were willing
0: and, house organs. Yeah,
2: and I just I worry we're about to go down the house organ front again.
0: Right, right, because they um, haven't done that. They haven't needed to do that because Trump gets so much, but they could. Well, he has one. Yeah.
2: In 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 what fo- I and mean, it is striking what Fox has done.
0: Oh well, we'll get to that.
2: It, it's striking in that I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but Roger Ailes ran a more uh, journalistically honest organization.
0: Huh? Because um, they're not it, quite. It, he-, he
2: was more. It seemed. Mm-hmm. I, I. It's just different. Right. I don't think Ailes would be doing what, he's, what they're doing. I don't know. No, Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Probably not. That's true. We're here with Chuck Todd, and he's saying a lot of fascinating things about politics. When we get back, we're going to talk about what he just said about Roger Ailes and also the Trump administration and its use of technology. We're going to focus on technology, but where it's all going when we get back on Recode Decode. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed Ass, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. You can find me on Facebook. Oh I have public-facing Facebook page. <laughs> right. Like just say that's everything. me. All right, that's every me. F- every Friday we answer your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, who did we talk to this week? Speaking of Facebook, we talked with Recode social media reporter Kurt Wagner about Facebook. Kurt, what did we talk about?
3: We talked about Russia, we talked about news feed changes, we talked about the future of Facebook and whether it's to blame for all of our worldly issues and mm-hmm. uh, took and some good
0: questions. Addiction. We talked about
3: Addiction. addiction. Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. about a lot of stuff. Facebook got a lot of stuff going on.
0: Got a lot of stuff going on. And it will be. Kurt, are you addicted to Facebook? No, I don't use Facebook at all. <laughs> I don't I use Twitter. I'm addicted to Twitter. I Jones for Twitter kind of thing. Anyway, it was a really great discussion, Kurt and Lauren, and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there.
1: Hey, this is Peter Kafka. I am the host of Recode Media. If you like this podcast, you will also enjoy Code Media. It's basically a live version of a podcast just like this. It's a two-day gathering of the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. Kara Swisher and I will talk to them live on stage in Huntington Beach, California. It's a very nice place to be in February. You will also learn a lot. You will help your career. You will help your company. We want you to be there. Speakers include YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki, HuffPost editor-in-chief Lydia Polgreen, Maggie Haberman, who you've probably heard of, uh, Adam Mosseri, who runs Facebook Newsfeed, lots and lots of smart, interesting people. You should be one of them in attendance. Code Media is February twelfth and thirteenth in Southern California. You can attend by going to recode.net/events. We're here with
0: Chuck Todd, NBC's Meet the Press guru? I don't know. Are you the head, just head of political?
2: Uh, my technical title is I'm the moderator and managing editor. Right. And okay. I'm also the political director and for And you NBC do a News.
0: daily show.
2: We do, do, do Day- a, daily a daily cable daily show. show.
0: Mm-hmm. Um and then you do all kinds of other things and yeah? travel around and okay. talk to me and things yeah. like that. Well, you were talking about the idea of Meet the Press as a bigger idea, but you can't not do that now. Like you have to think about your brand, and I hate to use the word brand, but you, you know what I mean? You're thinking about it in lots of ways, the way the Trump administration has done that, that they see lots of outlets for whatever mm. they're doing. You talked about sort of the, the, the Fox being the news organ, and I absolutely agree with that. Um, And Trump talked about doing his own, if Mm -hmm. had he not been president, and and a lot of of conservatives are talking about that. Can you sort of give me the lay of the land when you think about what has influence? And let's start with Twitter. Um, And I know you've talked about this a whole bunch, Mm -hmm. um, but I find Trump's use of Twitter. You know, Obama was supposed to be the digital president, (laughs) but he wasn't. He wasn't. It's
2: it's the guy who actually probably has never sent an email that is. No,
0: absolutely. And who's hostile to tech, which was interesting because now all the Democrats and the Obama people, there was just a report yesterday and I was sort of giving the guy, who wrote it, a hard time. I was like, so you did obsequious sucking up to the tech industry and now you're sanctimoniously attacking it. Like it's sort of like you can stop now. Um, But they did nothing to get in the way of all these abuses. They did the same
2: thing to the oil barons back at the turn of the century. Uh, Politicians never change.
0: No, this was fascinating because they were so embracing of tech when, in right. fact, it's the Trump administration who uses it beautifully um, and, and and has been benefiting from it in a lot of ways. Can you talk about how you look at how they're disseminating information? You can add Fox News in, but I think it's just pure using the communication tools.
2: What I notice about President Trump's Twitter feed is how it is basically how, how it works in the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I what I would say is that their strategy seems to be Um, giving material for their supporters to amplify their message, Mm -hmm. that that's what they do, right? So they may, the president may toy with a conspiracy theory about the FBI, as he will do in a tweet or something like that. That in turn allows his supporters to then go deep on, well, Whatever Today I, we let are. me draw the conclusion. You know, I'm okay. going to take these three facts and create a conclusion mm-hmm. or I'm going to, I have a conclusion and I'm going to find disparate facts that prove my conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of like, it's almost like he sends the bat signal and that's what has been impressive about it. It's very unified. And what's amazing to me is how often and where I see it, like we'll have a poll and one of the things we'll do is we'll ask people to tell us things in their own words The amount – the his supporters use his words.
0: A hundred percent.
2: They use his phrases. Mm -hmm. You see it in the tweets. You see it in the emails that I'll get. You see – it is very much – it is amazing to get 31 percent of the country on the same message. Right. Like it is not just in topics. It's in language. It's in tone. It's in all of it. On
0: whatever topic. And it doesn't matter if it's
2: about Mueller, DACA, the tax bill. Right. It is – it is his version of the messaging, mm-hmm. not, a support, not a different point of view supporting the same outcome,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, not a different way of getting that. It. it is the same.
0: Why don't others use it? It's really interesting. Uh, you know, I call them the genius troll of all time because it really is quite effective. You're absolutely right. And we can talk about topic after topic. The, the, right. the it's, it's all the same. It's all the same. And the reaction from the press the is, is all the same. The, the, oh, yeah. the, the reaction from the press like pearl clutching. Like I can't believe he did this. I'm like, mm, he did it yesterday. He did it the day before, and it's 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 obviously right, I I've they run try out of adjectives. Say, they just try to say distraction, but I'm like, no, it's a political strategy. I said it's not a distraction. It's how you govern in this way, whether you like it or not. And it's well, really and like- it's also
2: how he's wired. Mm-hmm. What's interesting Twitchy. is that he happened to be wired for Twitter
3: mm-hmm.
2: and for the 21st century news consumption brand yeah. before that existed, right He said himself and is one of one of those books. Uh, that he had ghostwritten um, that he likes to start his day without a schedule. Right. He likes to react. He's been, this is, look, I've been spending a lot of time getting to know Donald Trump in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. This part of him hasn't changed. He he likes to have eight or nine different things to do in a given day. Mm -hmm. Eight or nine different things that he's working on in a given day and he moves through them all the time. Right. And so, he was brilliantly made for Twitter. Right. right, He had a mind that was essentially melded with how Twitter functions. Right. Um, and Do you think
0: it's successful? Do you think it—, it,
2: it Well, it defines successful. He's the most unpopular president in the first term. And yet term. He get, he's good. So I, it depends on your definition of success. He's there. Right. So it got him there right it, he did and he something that passed
0: certain bills that are, but
2: to me he's not successful until he gets Republicans to do something they've never wanted to do mm-hmm. so far the his accomplishments are essentially generic conservative accomplishments
1: mm-hmm.
2: okay Supreme meaning Court. Marco Rubio Mike Pence President Cruz would all have, of them would have pursued these same things
0: with half the noise
2: correct or even maybe in a pursued the same outcomes maybe via a different strategy. Mm-hmm. When he gets the Republican Party to cancel NAFTA, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be impressed. Right. When he gets the Republican Party to no longer be the party of free trade permanently,
0: although he didn't do that today, you know, what,
2: you know, then then I will say, wow, okay, he is he is truly a successful leader because he he changed mm-hmm. a party's mind and direction. So and all are this these
0: stuff. ways of communications? These internet because they they don't just use Twitter; they use all kinds of like mm-hmm. lots and lots of different ways to do it.
2: They're like a. They're fanatics about Reddit. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. But what they're what's interesting to me, though, is that they're very concentrated only on – they're not interested in persuasion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're only interested in reinforcement.
0: reinforcement message Reinforcement. messaging. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think if we dump the idea of persuasion in, in American politics, we're going to doom the democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of political strategists – left and right, who believe there is no such thing as a persuadable voter.
0: Mm-hmm. you can't change minds.
2: Um, meaning the only, th- the only thing you are persuading voters to do is to vote or not vote. Mm-hmm. You are not persuading them from left or right.
0: As your father and your...
2: And I, yes, except my father never voted straight ticket.
0: Right. Because he could be my persuaded. My mother
2: never voted straight ticket. Right. Now, my parents canceled each other's vote out and talked about it all the time.
0: Do you blame tech for that or just that it's just a natural extension of humanity?
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I, this polarization... Tech is a tool that, is, that has made it easier, has accelerated this. Mm-hmm. But this has been a, a strategy. Look, I, I bring up Roger Ailes because Roger Ailes created this culture
1: mm-hmm.
2: of – so he comes out of Nixon. And if you look at it, basically the whole idea of media bias, mm-hmm. which is in some Started ways – Started with
0: Nixon. Okay, he just did it badly.
2: No, no, no. But it, it, that – we have – this has been – this media bias argument, the mm-hmm. modern era version of it, mm-hmm. OK, – Began uh, basically with Watergate.
0: Right. Okay. Oh, before that? Stuart, Spear Agnew, Nattery. Spear Agnew, Bob, yeah. Natter-Gate, but it was basically,
2: it began with the Nixon right. administration. Right. right? 100%. It, 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 and, and so, really, actually, you could argue LBJ, right? They, he was angry at the media, too, because the media was too yeah. negative on Vietnam. Yeah. But he actually respected the media. He, hey, if I've lost Walter Cronkite, I've lost the country, right? right. Like, um, but Ailes has been dining out on this tactic mm-hmm. that conservatives sh- should play the victim to, to media bias. I think media's influence gets overhyped. Mm-hmm. If the media was so influential, then how did Donald Trump become president?
0: Right, right. Because All right,
2: right, I mean, not a single editorial board in the country said he should be president. Mm-hmm. Not a single newspaper editorial board in the country did, right, in a major market. So it has been an exploited tactic. And then he built an entire business model out of it. With, with, you know, the whole, quote, fair and balanced, wink and a an nod deal. Right. Um, now, he's been pursuing he – tur- he turned a political tactic for Republicans to win elections in the U.S. Senate in into the 70s and 80s and turned it into a media tactic. Mm-hmm. And so then it, it cements it all in. So all tech has done is, is essentially we've layered this on a landscape that was already starting to polarize, right. starting to self-select, starting to fall into these, these silos. And then – these tools that the tech community came up with just put it on speed.
0: Right. So what do you imagine it going from? Because one of the things that's happened I, is is it's not just Trump that's doing it. And by the way, the Democrats are just awful at it. Mm-hmm. Just awful. Every time I see – I haven't yet to see a, a good Democrat using,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, using social media in any way that's effective as far as I can tell. And I'm not clear why that is. Uh, I, look. It's distasteful to them. It feels something.
2: like – my gut says social media peaked mm-hmm. as, an, as, an, as an influential player in politics, mm-hmm. but it's still going to be a tool the way TV advertising still is a tool. I see.
0: That's a really good point. Why peaked? Because people are exaggerated? In that it's peaked
2: in its, um, in its ability to be um, unplanned, okay, in its ability to still surprise, in its ability to still be, oh, that's clever, mm-hmm. or I guess my point is there is no – new way to use social media now for right. politics. Everybody knows all the different ways to do it, all the different ways to micro-target, all the different ways to to right. use opinion influencers, all, the, all of that. Everybody knows all the— it has
0: got the game of that.
2: So something else is coming. Right. Um, the next thing to me is personalizing, right? Obviously, it's the personalization mm-hmm. of, of politics. So right now, we've personalized it to the point of your cable channels, your news feeds— your Twitter. Uh, you're your, fr- right. Your. The next level is going to be you and I seeing a Trump for president ad, but your ad is going to address something that they found huh. out that you're fired up about. Right. And the ad that I see, it, you know, in the same way, you know, and I think we're going to start seeing even more so personalized one-on-one, right. right, some AI conversations. Um, that's going to be a tool that I think will be the my guess is in twenty twenty that'll be the the one that like somebody says, hey, check out what so and so's trying to do right. here. Right. By 2024, everybody's going to use it, and by 2028, we're going to move on to something else.
0: So who is good at that? Because I – again, I I want to get back to the Democrats and the Republicans. I think one of the things that you might be missing is that – I think one of the things the reason Donald Trump does do well is because he's quite genuine to himself. I think anyone who's genuine on social media – it's like Kim Kardashian. She's like the biggest – and everyone makes fun of her. And I'm like, but she's genuine to herself. And so it's not – it doesn't feel like a trope. want to know
2: why the country's not outraged that uh, that he had an affair with a porn star? I, because so many Donald Trump days. has shared everything.
0: Right, right, right. All
2: right, I, 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 you know, it.
0: I'm never outraged by a porn star, but I live in San Francisco. So <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm never outraged I, I, by a porn. I, star. I, 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 I say I grew up in Miami in the yeah. in the '80s. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But there is nothing that will chase people away than inauthent, you know, and not and looking man. like inauthent, yeah. inauthent, mm-hmm. inauthentic inauthentic. I guess what I why I believe social media is probably peaked as far as a campaign tool is that I think now it's impossible to be authentic anymore on social media. Everybody assumes you're being there. Now people on social media, the users mm-hmm. assume they're being
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, uh, What's your angle? Right. We're all we're all onto it. Right. Whatever that onto it means. That's why you ask me. It's like it's not going away. It's still it's still a way for the president to express himself. It's still a way if you're. If you use it more than just for press releases, you can break through,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but I don't see it as sort of a secret weapon anymore or special sauce. It's now just another...
0: Tactic. Now it's going to be something that Google's going to put in your brain. Um, we, I know.
2: You, you, I, I'm uh, binging Black Mirror right now. Oh, so, are you? Don't. Don't. Stop. Oh, my stop God. Yourself. Matt told me. He said, stop. stop. My, my producer, Matt Rivera, is here with me. Um, yeah. Stop. Google Glasses it. in your eyes? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you're God. on that one. Yes. So Past
0: the pig fucking, and you moved on to that. I did the...
2: It's funny, <laughs> that one. stayed
0: was, with me Oh,
2: the, that's the, hey, that is one. That's about social media. You know what I speaking. give them credit for with Black Mirror? Yeah. Is it, it starts, it's like the Twilight Zone, right? Yeah, It starts exactly. with a totally ridiculous premise that you're like, you know, I could actually see yeah. how that could happen.
0: Well, <laughs> I think about network. I just watched it the other day. I forced several people to watch it. If you watch that again, and remember- You know, I haven't ridic- watched it since Trump's been You need to elected. watch it again, because you're like, that was ridiculous, and every single thing on it has been done. Every single thing times fifty. and it's really and her attitude, Faye Dunaway, who is just brilliant in that movie, and his sort of feckless inability to stop it um, was is really interesting. It's a really interesting movie to look at and and you realize it absolutely. Has what far surpassed with that movie, and that was a satire, obviously. So we have a couple of seven, six or seven minutes left. I want to talk about sort of what we're because this is a te- this focuses on tech. Tech has been at the center of the Russia bots, all kinds of things. And then there's a lot of sort of hostility to the press. They keep getting, I mean, to tech they mm-hmm. keep getting dragged up to Capitol Hill. Is, does that matter at all? I mean, do they have an influence in? It just was noted yesterday. Google spent more. Google, Amazon sure. have been spending. Facebook have been spending enormous amounts of money lobbying. Um, obviously, they a lot. They've learned their lessons since the Microsoft trial of many years ago. Right. How do you look at?
2: I, I look at it in the same way that it, you have any new sector that pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, they're going to get regulated. Mm-hmm. It's and look, the government hasn't figured out yet how to regulate two industries well. Yeah. One is tech, and the other is Wall Street, because in some ways the two work together. They don't; they're not working together against the government. But it, Washington is just always ready to regulate the last technology and the last financial trend, mm-hmm. rather than have the ability to prepare to regulate what's coming. Right? Why is, like, that? That is a, Because Is they're ignorant? Uh, look, I. I, I the, the biggest thing is how you've met these individual members of Congress. These mm-hmm. are – some of them are extraordinarily bright people who know nothing about some nothing. of these industries. Mm-hmm. There's one person – I, I, I was I always use Jared Polis as my mm-hmm. great example. Ah, so Jared. He, here's Jared <laughs> Polis when he gets elected and, yeah. you know, the Blue Mountain Christmas card guy. And yeah. for those of you uh, under the age of 30, you're all wondering what the hell is Blue Mountain Christmas cards, But that was like – it, when the internet first started, everybody thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to send an electronic Christmas card? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Blue Mountain was it. And yeah. You all thought, everybody thought that was cool for about a year.
0: Do you want to hear my claim to fame? I, I, his mother called me when they were offered the $600 million. Yeah. yeah. Pretending I wasn't a reporter. I don't know why. And she goes, what do you think we should do? And I'm, I'm like, thank you for that tip of what's happening. And I said, sell every fucking thing and take cash.
1: Yeah. And, Get, and
0: they did uh, it. Yeah. They did it. I yeah, feel I mean, good about Jared Can you imagine, Polis. Like, is
2: there a technology – anyway, my point was, though, so Jared Polis decides to use his wealth yeah. to run for Congress. Yeah. Do you think – is he – the way Congress works, oh, here's somebody on the internet. So is he even remotely – Part of the policy discussions on yeah. how to regulate tech and how to do this. I mean, my point is, is that we— The people it, that possibly the, have right. some expertise. Right. It would take him 20 years to get into a, a position for right. to actually get to and a point where he can influence we're policy. And we have
0: things in our eyes like on Black Mirror. Right.
2: By the time he does get into a position, he no longer is in touch with the industry and doesn't even right. knows where it's headed. Right. So that's the problem. And the smart tech folks are going to start to prepare for the regulation. mm mm-hmm. And start self-regulating. What does
0: that look like? The regulation. What do you imagine?
2: To me, it should be the FCC. We have look, use the infrastructure we have. I always believe don't start a new agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, I, I have this. If if I could run federal government, I, I would make every agency sunset after twenty five years, mm-hmm. and then you have to re and you have to reprove and mm-hmm. restart. Every 25 years. I don't care what the agency is because it's the only way to modernize. It's right. the only way to make right. sure you're, so that agency it, doesn't fall actually, behind. Right. It's one of those things that, like, I'll say it, people think about it for a minute, and then it will never happen because there's always an entrenched interest to protect mm-hmm. protect this. But if you really want a government to work well and be you'd nimble, kill it all the
0: time.
2: you'd constantly do creative—
0: well, tech does that on its own. That's that's things right. die. No, no die. That's what, it, it, it's what government or, should do yeah. in yeah, some ways. It naturally anyway.
2: happens. So— You know what I'd be doing? I'd be doing what Jeff Bezos is doing,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: buying the Washington Post, um, thinking about moving my headquarters to another city, proving Mm -hmm. that I'm a good corporate citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, I I will say this. I think Amazon has managed this better than any of the other tech giants. Mm -hmm. They they have figured out –
0: He's an adult. That's why.
2: That's exactly right. And let me plug Jeff for one other thing. I've never met him, but I keep wanting to Mm – he went to the same high school as my dad in Miami. He went to the rival high school Mm -hmm. that I went to in Miami. So – Dade County Public Schools produced Jeff Bezos.
0: Yeah, he so, started as an adult in this business. and, and That, and that matters. Others. Yeah, it does.
2: So, look, I, I am fascinated by where Amazon's going to pick. I think it's pretty obvious where they're coming. Mm-hmm. When your final 20 cities and three of them are in one market, mm-hmm. I think he's pretty much said where this is coming. Right. Um, the question is Maryland or Virginia. Right. Um,
0: and he has a lovely house here.
2: Uh, I wish he picks Pittsburgh or St. Louis. Me personally. too.
0: Pittsburgh was my pick.
2: Um, well, now he eliminated St. Louis. I wanted St. Louis. Um, only because I think it's important for tech to make inroads in red America, mm-hmm. and St. Really? Louis is the biggest city that is a gateway to uh, red America. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's not even anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's in the right. same way, St. St. Louis. And, and St. Louis isn't Detroit yet, mm-hmm. but if we're not careful, it could be. Right. Right. And and look there was a time St. Louis was the fourth most important city in this country. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of the a lot of the techies are talking about doing their little tours of like meet the people kind of thing. It is. I have to it's say really, when Zuckerberg, insulting.
2: you know, Mark <laughs> when sorry. Mark Zuckerberg went on that tour of Iowa and and he posted about a truck stop and and the showers, I'm like, "Really, dude? Did you cringe? you had never been to a truck stop? Your yeah. parents never you no. never went on one road trip. You've never been to the interstate rest stops?"
0: No. That, even, it's
2: stories like that that actually hurt tech. 100%. Because it just – you are not – you have no <laughs> idea what the hell is happening in America. Yeah, they
0: seem to step in it all the time. You know, they it really was
2: do. well-intentioned. I right. give my – look, it was the right May idea May I just say he's an extraordinarily executed. earnest
0: person. He's an extraordinarily earnest. He really means it when he
2: – No, 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 no. And I, I, I know he does. It just was poorly executed. Yeah. And you know what happens with these billionaires – and, and too many political consultants, mm-hmm. and we can say this, is that they're so enamored with the paycheck they're getting, they don't give them good advice. Right. They just, they I don't think these billionaires realize that most of these political people they've hired are telling them... Oh, what, they're crawling all over them. Right, it's they're telling crazy. them what they want to hear because they want to keep their damn contract.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me finish up by talking about politi- tech people running for office. Um, do you see that happening? Do you imagine? I mean, everyone's focused on Oprah and all the others, but I, I'm not even going
2: to... I, right. I mean, look, I, why, why wouldn't they? I mean, we saw... We, we, I, I assume a whole bunch of tech people. Who? They already are running. Who? Um, well, I don't see any of them as presidential material yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Bezos intrigues me if he wanted to. Um, look, I, I would say this. In the 1980s, when the country was looking for an outsider businessman, we went to li- the right. first person. No, no, no. It was Lee Iacocca. Remember? Oh, right. Sure. I remember yeah, everybody, really? the dream candidate in the right. 80s, right. the dream outsider candidate was always Lee Iacocca.
0: Ref. Yeah, the business guy.
2: Right. Um, and Ross Perot, we were sort of enamored. Again, we went into the business world. If you think about our different sectors in life, politicians are not well thought of. Even the military is less well thought of than it was mm-hmm. as far as the generals are concerned, sort of leadership in the military. The tech business, Wall Street is not respected anymore. Bankers, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jamie Dimon, I laugh, I, Jamie yeah. Dimon for president. Are right. you kidding me?
0: I didn't By hear the way, that
2: one. Jamie would laugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, he knows that they're pariahs, right. you know, um, the tech industry is the one place that has trust in different Ish, pockets yeah. of America,
3: right?
2: Um, and it produces something tangible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think Steve Jobs had the had enough. Like there is like to me, the personalities there now. None of them feel big enough to mm-hmm. look like they could. You have to have Do some charisma to be president.
0: One. Someone. That's my problem. Bezos, Bezos, oh, Schultz, Schultz, Bezos
2: is interesting to me.
0: Shell Sandberg
2: is interesting to me, but I like Tim Cook clearly doesn't want no, to. No. Um I don't know if Mark I don't count no. Mark Cuban as tech yeah. anymore. He
0: made all his money from tech, but yes. He yeah. Did.
2: But yeah, in that, like I don't see him in that space. He's, right. he's he clearly wants to. Sort of. Oh no, no, no. He wants to be asked.
0: I don't I know him pretty well. I think he's yeah, playing I, games. Of I know. All of you people. He played, he, <laughs> I put it this way: really I think he <laughs> plays
2: with both games with a lot of reporters.
0: I, I knew him when he was not rich, so he's oh, well, that's good. He's it's, it's tricks. Um, he's enjoying himself.
2: Look, he was at the Axios one-year anniversary party. He was. I heard, and I heard. I went there, and yeah. I said. Oh, are the Mavericks in town? And like, no, he flew in just for that. Yeah, he likes. He wants to be a player he in does. this town. There's he's, no doubt about it. You know what?
0: It. He's got this new healthcare thing, which is interesting. He's so highly intelligent on lots of things, and he, oh, he I'm, I'm clown a thing, personal fan of him. His clown thing is is not what he's like. I find I find talking to him by the one way of the the, most the
2: clown thing is a business is a marketing absolutely. tool for the Dallas Maverick fan absolutely. base.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think so. People don't take him. I seriously. want.
2: Is my sports owners mm-hmm. to be Mark Cuban. I want that. I <laughs> want my owners. Like I love that. That to thing. me is Mark Cuban's authenticity. Why didn't
0: you go into sports? That's my last question for you. I did
2: for you. a little while. Yeah. In fact, at the hotline, we started something. We started a sports business hotline. Right. We called it Sports Business Daily. And it is now a twenty million dollar business owned by Hearst down oh, in wow. Charlotte. Yeah, sports I just saw. The, but daily. the editor, the editor in chief. Is somebody I hired mm-hmm. back in the day? He's still mm-hmm. there. He came to town the other day when um, we visited, and it's thriving. It's basically hotline for the sports business world, you know, for the leagues. Like later, yeah. they didn't. There was nothing. It was one <laughs> of those things. The sports world didn't have the no. what's going on with this media rights. It's right. and think about it. Stadiums, media. Mm-hmm. It, there's just there's a whole bunch of of stuff, right? And they didn't know they needed something every day until we started making something for them every day, and right. they're like, "Holy cow!" Yeah. You know, um,
0: regrets. You didn't do
2: sports. Oh no 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 no! I I hated it. Yeah. You know what happened? I found out sports is my hobby. Politics is my passion. I see. I missed politics. Right. And I I, I went, and then I'd find myself going to games, and and working.
0: Uh huh.
2: And I didn't like that. Oh, like being sports I player. meaning like I started. I'd go to the Camden Yards, and,
0: and you have I'd, to know, I'd look yeah. at the signage. Yeah.
2: Oh, or I'd go. Is this a Miller Stadium or a Bud Stadium? Like, right. I started to know you those stupid facts, it. and I yeah. said. Why do I care whether it's Pepsi or Coke at this stadium? Whether this team is a Nike team or a at the time, Reebok was their chief competitor. And i I literally said, I I miss politics. There's just it it is and the thing is politics is the personalities, it's the human side.
0: So you're not exhausted yet by all of this? Like, well, I'm I'm No,
2: I look I'm a Pearl Clutcher every once in a while. And you you say you clutch, you know, I'll admit to that. I do worry about the damage we're doing to the perception of the press and politics. I think this is a generational damage.
0: Really? Um, I think we get played every single day. What's that? It's, I think the press gets played every single day. I,
2: I, look, I, I have a lot of faith in the millennial generation to fix mm-hmm. all this. Right. I think they're our greatest generation. Mm-hmm. That kind of have to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're sort of, we got to hope. I'm going hope.
0: with Gen, Gen Z's myself.
2: Well, my daughter's Gen Z, so yeah, I hope so. I
0: think Gen Z's. I was talking to my son who's 12 or 13, and he's about to turn 13. Okay. My daughter's and, 13. Yeah. And, uh, and I was saying, the Bannon book, and he's very interested in politics. And I was like, the Bannon book, this, that, sloppy Steve. And he literally says to me, Mom, that's really not the point, the insider politics, of the White House, it's the judgeships. And I was like, Well, yeah, but Sloppy
3: Steve. My daughter is the same thing.
2: She rolls her eyes at the name calling and says, oh, that's stupid. Right. It is interesting. Look, how we're covering Trump Mm -hmm. is going to have an impact on our kids and how they consume news and politics. Now, my biggest fear with millennials has been they so disdain politics that Mm -hmm. they won't run.
0: Yeah. And they're not
2: coming here. The best and the brightest don't come to Washington anymore.
0: No.
2: We still want some of them here. Yeah. I want some of them to go to Silicon Valley, but I'd still like to see a few of them come here, and
0: all they're right. not right now. Right now on our ending, all you, Chuck Todd sitting as an eighth grader somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get up and not be cynical. Yes,
2: uh, I look, the minute I get too cynical, I got
0: to quit. Yeah, so not so yet. So how long are you here for the whole the whole time?:
2: I don't think there's such thing as twenty and thirty year runs in television.
1: All right, and so I'll just seven leave it at, I, like okay. I said, David Very Bradley
2: and the seven year runs, yeah. I'm on my second seven-year run. I'll talk to you in um, five years.
0: All right. Last question. Anything else? What would you like to do if you could put yourself anywhere else?
2: If I could put myself anywhere?
0: Anywhere? Any job.
2: In any job?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Athletic director for the University of Miami. (laughs) You laugh. I do. I'm laughing. I'm not laughing with
0: you. I'm laughing at you.
2: I know. I know. (laughs) Look, I want to save NCAA (laughs) sports. All right. College sports needs to be saved. All right. You know.
0: Everybody, Chuck John, is ready to do that. Chuck, this has been a delight talking to you. It's an unusual conversation. I hope
2: I have still have a career.
0: You still have a career. Don't All worry. Right. You didn't insult your bosses at NBC. I do that for you. <laughs> Andy <Lack. laughs>
2: Good luck with that. Give
0: Chuck a raise, Andy. Come on. Anyway, it was great talking. He's the hardest working man in uh, in TV. Um, thanks for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first listener listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes. You can find more than 175 past interviews in whatever app you listen to or on our website, riconet slash podcasts. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode radio podcasts on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Two Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference and some stuff we're doing with NBC. We just interviewed uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai and YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.